Mr. Kersel is here, miss. Oh, ask him to come up. Very good, miss. Mr. Kersel? Constance is dressing. She won't be long. Oh, I see. Well, there's no violent hurry. You're taking her to Wimbledon, aren't you? That was the idea. I know some of the fellows who are playing today. Are you having a good time in London? Oh, Marvellous. When a man's lived in the East as long as I have, he's apt to feel rather out of it when he comes home. But Constance and John have been very good to me. Do you like John? Yes. He's been awfully kind. Do you know, I remember you quite well. Oh, you can't. You were madly in love with Constance in those days, weren't you? You know, it's so long ago, I forget. You're in love with her still, aren't you? Not a bit. <laughs> Upon my soul, you've got nerve. Why, you donkey, you're giving it away all the time. Do you know what you look like when she's in the room? I thought you were an odious child when you were 16, Martha. And now that you're 32, I think you're a horrible woman. <laughs> I'm not, really. But I'm very fond of Constance, and I'm inclined to be rather fond of you. Don't you think you could show your attachment by minding your own business? Why does it make you angry because I've told you that no one can see you with Constance for five minutes without knowing that you adore her? My dear, I'm here for one year. I want to be happy. I don't want to give trouble or cause trouble. I value my friendship with Constance and I hate the idea that anything should interfere with it. Hasn't it occurred to you that she might want more than your friendship? No, it has not. You need not jump down my throat. Constance is perfectly happy with her husband. You poor fool. Don't you know that John has been notoriously unfaithful to Constance for ages? I don't believe it. Ask anyone you like. Mother knows it. Barbara Fawcett knows it. Everyone knows it but Constance. That certainly isn't true. Mrs. Durham told me when I met her at dinner two or three days ago that John and Constance were the most devoted couple she'd ever known. Did Marie-Louise tell you that? She did. The nerve, Marie-Louise. Oh, my poor Bernard. Marie-Louise is John's mistress. She is Constance's greatest friend. Yes. If this is a pack of lies, I swear I'll damned well wring your neck. All right. That was a silly thing to say. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't mind. I like a man to be violent. I think you're just the sort of man Constance needs. What the devil do you mean by that? It can't go on. Constance is being made perfectly ridiculous. I thought she ought to be told, and as everyone else seemed to shirk the job, I was prepared to do it myself. 
Mother was so disagreeable about it, I've had to promise not to say a word. You're not under the delusion that I'm going to tell her. No, I don't really think it would come very well from you. But things can't go on. She's bound to find out. All I want you to do is to, well, stand by. But Marie-Louise has got a husband. What about him? His only ambition in life is to make a million. He's the sort of fool who thinks a woman loves him just because he loves her. Marie-Louise can turn him round her little finger. Has Constance never suspected? Never. You've only got to look at her. Really, her self-confidence sometimes is positively maddening. I wonder if it wouldn't be better that she never did find out. She's so happy. I thought you loved her. Enough to want her happiness above all things. You are forty-five, aren't you? I forgot that for a moment. Dear Martha, you have such an attractive way of putting things. Oh, there's Constance. I can't imagine where Mother is. I think I'll go into the brown room and write a letter. Have I kept you waiting? It doesn't matter. Hello, what's up? With me? Nothing. Why? You look all funny. Why are your eyes suddenly opaque? I, I didn't know they were. Are you trying to hide something from me? Of course not. I hate people who keep secrets from me. I have no secrets from you. Wasn't Martha here when you came? She hasn't gone, has she? She's waiting for her mother. She's gone into another room to uh, write letters. Did you see her? Yes. Uh, we had a little chat about uh, the weather. Oh. Well, don't you think we ought to be starting? Uh, there's plenty of time. It's no good getting there too early. Then I'll take off my hat. It's jolly here, isn't it? I love your room. Do you like it? I did it myself. Barbara Fawcett wants me to go into the decorating business. She's in it, you know, and she's making quite a lot of money. Hmm. Aren't you happy at home? <laughs> I don't think it necessarily means one's unhappy at home because one wants an occupation. But, as a matter of fact, I refused Barbara's offer. You are happy, aren't you? Very. You've made me very happy during this last fortnight. I'm very glad you think so. I don't know that I've done anything very much for you. Yes, you have. You've let me see you. I let the policeman at the corner do that, you know. You mustn't think that because I take care only to talk to you of quite casual things, I, I don't still love you with all my heart. We agreed when first you came back that your feelings were entirely your business. Do you mind my loving you? Oughtn't we all to love one another? Oh, don't make fun of me. My dear, I can't help being pleased and flattered and rather touched. It is rather wonderful that anyone should care for me. So much. After so many years. But, my dear. But I don't in the least want you to make love to me now. I know. I'm not going to. I don't quite know what you've been doing for the last five minutes. I was merely stating a few plain facts. Oh, I beg your pardon. 
I thought it was something quite different. I've been very good during the last fortnight, haven't I? <laughs> yes. I kept on saying to myself, I wonder if a pat of butter really would melt in his mouth. Well, for just a minute, I'm going to let myself go. I wouldn't if I were you. Yes, but you're not. I want to tell you, just once, that there's never been anyone in the world for me but you. Oh, nonsense. There have been half a dozen. They were all you. I love you with all my heart. I want you to know that if ever you're in trouble, I should look upon it as the greatest possible happiness to be allowed to help you. It's sweet of you to say so. Don't you believe it? Yes. I should like to think that it meant oh, not very much, but just a little to you. It means a great deal. Thank you. <laughs> now we won't say anything more about it. But why did you think it necessary to say all this just now? I wanted to get it off my chest. Oh, really? You're not angry with me. Oh, Bernard, I'm not that kind of fool at all. It's a pity that Martha doesn't marry. Well, don't think that I'm going to marry her. I don't. I merely thought that a husband would be a pleasant and useful occupation for her. She's quite a nice girl, you know. A liar, of course, but otherwise all right. Oh? Yes, a terrible liar, even for a woman. Shall we start now? It's no good getting there when it's all over. All right, let's start. I'll put my hat on again. I shall only be a minute. How do you do? Will you tell Mr. Middleton at once? Yes, madam. I particularly wanted to see John for a minute, and there are patients waiting to see him, so I asked Bentley if he couldn't come here. I'll take myself off. I'm awfully sorry, but it's rather urgent. John hates to be disturbed like this. I'll go into the next room. Are you waiting for Constance? Yes. I'm taking her to Wimbledon. She's putting on her hat. I see. Bentley told me she was upstairs. Goodbye. I shall only be a minute. Oh, John, I'm sorry to drag you away from your patients. There's nothing urgent. They can wait for a few minutes. Oh, John. Is anything the matter? Mortimer. Yes, what about Mortimer? I'm convinced he suspects. Suspects? Why? He was so funny last night. He came into my room to say goodnight to me. He sat on my bed, he was chatting nicely, and he was asking what I'd been doing with myself all of the evening. Presumably you didn't tell him? No! I said I'd been dining here. And suddenly he just got up, just said goodnight, and went out. His voice was so strange that I couldn't help looking at him. He was as red as a turkey cock. Is that all? No! He never came in to say good morning to me before he went to the city. Well, he may have been in a hurry. He's never in too much of a hurry for that. I think you're making a mountain out of a mole heap. Don't be stupid, John. Can't you see him as nervous as a cat? 
I can, but I'm trying to persuade you there's nothing to be nervous about. What fools men are. They never will see that it's the small things that matter. I tell you, I'm frightened out of my wits. You know, there's a devil of a distance between suspicion and proof. Oh, I don't think he could prove anything. But he can make himself awfully unpleasant. Supposing he puts ideas in Constance's head. She'd never believe him. If the worst came to worst, I could manage Mortimer. He's awfully in love with me. That always gives one such an advantage over a man. Of course, you can twist Mortimer around your little finger. I should die of shame if Constance knew. After all, she's my greatest friend, and I'm absolutely devoted to her. Constance is grand. Of course, I don't believe there's anything in this at all, but if there were, I'd... I'd be in favor of making a clean breast of it to Constance. Never. Yes, I expect she'd kick up a row. Any woman would, but she'd do anything in the world to help us out. A lot you know about women. She'd help you out, I dare say, but she'd stamp on me with both feet. That's only human nature. Not Constance's. Upon my word, it's lucky I'm fairly sure of you, John, or the way you talk of Constance would really make me jealous. Thank God you can smile. Now you're getting your nerve back. It's been a comfort to talk it over. It doesn't seem so bad now. Yes, I'm sure you've got nothing to be frightened about. I dare say it was only my fancy. It was a stupid risk to take all the same. Yes, perhaps. Why do you look so devilish pretty? Oughtn't you to be getting back to your wretched patience? <laughs> I suppose so. Uh, will you stop and see, Constance? I may as well. It would look rather odd if I went away without saying how do you do to her. I'll leave you then. <laughs> and don't worry. I won't. I dare say it was only a guilty conscience. I'll go and have my hair washed. I had no idea you were here, Marie-Louise. It's not very important. I was just writing letters waiting for Mother and Bernard's only just told me. I want to see John about something. I hope you haven't got anything the matter with you, darling. No, Mortimer's been looking rather run down lately, and I want John to persuade him to take a holiday. Oh? I should have thought he'd be more likely to take a physician's advice than a surgeon's and a thing like that. He's got a tremendous belief in John, you know. In which I'm sure he's justified. John is so very reliable. What can I do for you, Martha? If you'd like me to cut out an appendix, or a few tonsils, I shall be happy to oblige you. My dear John, you've only left me with the barest necessities of existence as it is. I don't think I could manage with anything less than I have. My dear, as long as a woman has a leg to stand on, she need not despair of exciting her surgeon's sympathy and interest. Darling, how is your knee? Still slipping? It always gives me a little trouble, you know. Yes, of course. I'm sorry I've been so long, Martha. Have you been very impatient? No, I've been passing the time very pleasantly. For others, darling? Uh, only for yourself. 
Bernard is taking me out to Wimbledon. Oh, that'll be jolly. We shall be dreadfully late. Does it matter? No. How very odd. What's the matter, Constance? Nothing. Is he downstairs? Yes, madam. I don't know why he should send up a card. Show him up. Very good, madam. Who is it, Constance? Come and sit down, Marie-Louise. I must go, and so must you. There's plenty of time. Do you like this hat? Yes, I think it's sweet. What are you doing here, John? Haven't you got any patience today? Yes, there are two or three waiting. I'm just going down. As a matter of fact, I thought I deserved a cigarette. Well, hang. I've mislaid my cigarette case. You haven't seen it about, Constance? No, I haven't. I looked for it everywhere this morning. I can't think where I left it. I must ring up the nursing home and ask if I left it there. I hope you haven't lost it. No, I'm sure I haven't. I've just put it somewhere. Mr. Mortimer Durham. Oh, sit still. Hello, Mortimer. What are you doing in these parts at this hour? Why on earth did you send up a card? What's the matter, Morty? I thought you might like to know that your husband is my wife's lover. Morty! Oh, what makes you think that? Do you recognize this cigarette case? I found it under my wife's pillow last night. Oh, I am relieved. I couldn't make out where I'd left it. Thank you so much. It's not yours. Indeed it is. I was sitting on Marie-Louise's bed, and I must have slipped it under the pillow without thinking. It has John's initials on it. I know. It was presented to him by a grateful patient, and I thought it much too nice for him, so I just took it. What sort of a fool do you take me for, Constance? My dear Morty, why should I say it was my cigarette case if it wasn't? They had dinner together. My poor Morty, I know that. You were going to a city banquet or something, and Marie-Louise rang up and asked if she might come and take potluck with us. Do you mean to say that she dined here? Isn't that what she told you? Yes. It's quite easy to prove. If you won't take my word for it, we can ring for the butler, and you can ask him yourself. Ring the bell, John, will you? No, 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 don't do that. If you give me your word, of course I must take it. That's very kind of you. I'm grateful to you for not exposing me to the humiliation of making my butler corroborate my statement. If Marie-Louise was dining here, why were you sitting on her bed? John had to go out and do an operation, and Marie-Louise wanted to show me the things she'd got from Paris, so I walked round to your house. It was a lovely night. You remember that, don't you? Damn it, I've got more important things to do than look at the night. We tried them all on, and then we were rather tired, so Marie-Louise got into bed, and I sat down and we talked. If you were tired... Why didn't you go home and go to bed? John had promised to come round and fetch me. And did he? What time did he come? Oh, I couldn't manage it. The operation took much longer than I expected. It was one of those cases where, when you once start cutting, you really don't know where to stop. (laughs) You know the sort of thing, don't you, Mortimer? No, I don't. Why the devil should I? All that is neither here nor there. This is a terrible accusation you've made against John and Marie-Louise, and I'm very much upset. But I will remain perfectly calm till I've heard everything. 
Now, let me have your proofs. My proofs? What do you mean? The cigarette case. When I found the cigarette case, I naturally put two and two together. I quite understand. But why did you make them five? It isn't possible that I made a mistake. Even the best of us may err. You don't know what a shock it was, Constance. I had the most implicit confidence in Marie-Louise. I was knocked endways. I've been brooding about it ever since. <laughs> and do you mean to say that you've come here and made a fearful scene just because you found my cigarette case in Marie-Louise's room? I can't believe it. You're a man of the world. You're extremely intelligent. Surely you have something to go upon. You must be holding something back. Don't be afraid of hurting my feelings. You've said so much now that I must insist on your saying everything. I want the truth and the whole truth. I'm afraid I've made a damned fool of myself. I'm afraid you have. I'm awfully sorry, Constance. I beg your pardon. Oh, don't bother about me. You've exposed me to the most bitter humiliation. You've sown the seeds of distrust between me and John, which can never be... Fertilized. Uprooted. But I don't matter. It's Marie-Louise's pardon you must beg. Marie-Louise. Don't touch me. Don't come near me. You know what jealousy is? Certainly not. I think it's a most ugly and despicable vice. Marie-Louise, I'm sorry. Won't you forgive me? You've insulted me before all my friends. You know how devotedly I love Constance. You might have accused me of having an affair with anyone else, but not John. Not her greatest friend's husband. The milkman or the dustman, if you like, but not her greatest friend's husband. I've been a perfect swine. I don't know what came over me. I really wasn't responsible for my actions. I've loved you all these years. No one has ever loved you as I've loved you. Oh, it's cruel, cruel. Come away, darling. I can't say here what I want to say. No, no, no. I think you'd better leave her here for a little while, Morty. I'll talk to her when you've gone. She's naturally upset. A sensitive little thing like that. We're dining with the Vancouvers. I promise to send her home in good time to dress. She'll give me another chance? Yes, yes. I'd do anything in the world for her. You're the cleverest woman in the world. Will you shake hands with me, old man? I've made a mistake and I'm man enough to acknowledge it. Not at all, old boy. I quite agree that it did look fishy, the cigarette case. If I dreamt that Constance was going to leave an expensive thing like that lying about all over the place, I'm hanged if I'd let her pinch it. You don't know what a weight it is off my mind. I felt a hundred when I came here, and now I feel like a two-year-old. Oh, Constance, you are a brick. I shall never forget this. Never. So long as I live. And by George, what presence of mind you showed! I went hot and cold all over, and you never batted an eyelash. By the way, here is your cigarette case. You'd better have a ring made and hang it on your keychain. Thank you. By the way, did anyone see you go into Morty's house last night? No, we let ourselves in with Marie-Louise's latchkey. That's all right, then. 
If Mortimer asks the servants, they can tell him nothing. I had to take that chance. Oh, Constance, what must you think of me? I? Exactly the same as I thought before. I think you're sweet, Marie-Louise. You have every right to be angry with me. Perhaps, but not the inclination. You had your chance to get back at me, and you didn't take it. I'm so ashamed. Because you've been having an affair with John, or because you've been found out? Oh, Constance, don't be heartless. Say anything you like. Curse me, stamp on me, but don't smile at me. I'm in a terrible position. And you want me to make a scene. I know, and I sympathize. But the fact is that Mortimer told me nothing I didn't know before. Do you mean to say that you've known all along? All along, darling. I've been spending the last six months in a desperate effort to prevent my friends and relations from telling me your ghastly secret. It's been very difficult sometimes. Orphan mother's profound understanding of life, Martha's passion for truth at any price, and Barbara's silent sympathy have almost worn me down. But until today, the T's were not definitely crossed, nor the I's distinctly dotted, and I was able to ignore the facts that were staring at me, rather rudely, I must say, in the face. But why? Why? It's not human. Why didn't you do anything? That, darling, is my affair. Oh, I see. No, you don't. I have always been absolutely faithful to John. I have not winked at your intrigue in order to cover my own. I almost think you've been laughing at me up your sleeve all the time. My dear, you mustn't be offended just because I've taken away from you the satisfaction of thinking that you've been deceiving me all these months. Oh, my head's going round and round. Such a pretty head, too. Why don't you go and lie down? You want to look your best if you're dining with the Vancouver's. Oh, I wonder where Mortimer is. You know that pearl necklace you showed me the other day, and you said that Mortimer thought it cost a lot of money. Well, he's going to Cartier's to buy it for you tomorrow. Oh, Constance, do you think he will? Yes, but my dear, don't be such a fool as to accept it with alacrity. Remember that Mortimer has grievously insulted you. He's made you the most shocking accusation that a man can make against his wife. He's trampled on your love, and now he's destroyed your trust in him. How right you are, Constance. Surely I need not tell you what to do. <sighs> Refuse to speak to him, but never let him get a word in edgewise. Cry enough to make him feel what a brute he is, but not enough to make your eyes red. Say the same thing over and over again, and when you've reduced him to desperation, then consent, as a sign of your forgiving nature, to accept the pearl necklace for which the wretch has paid ten thousand pounds. And don't thank him. Let him thank you for accepting such a paltry gift. John! Take Marie-Louise down and put her in a taxi. All right. No, not John. I couldn't. After all, I have some delicacy. Oh, have you? Well, let Bernard go. I shall be pleased. But come back, won't you? Certainly. This has been a lesson to me, darling. I'm not a fool, Constance. I can learn. 
At least prudence, I hope. How did you guess that Marie-Louise had said she was dining here? She's too crafty a woman to invent a new lie when an old one will do. It would have been awkward if Mortimer had insisted on asking Bentley if it was true. I knew he wouldn't dare. It's only if a man's a gentleman that he won't hesitate to do an ungentlemanly thing. Mortimer is on the boundary line, and it makes him careful. Don't you imagine your patients are growing a trifle restless, John? I like to keep them waiting. I can't imagine you'll very much like to hear what I'm determined to say to Constance. It's because I shrewdly suspect that you have some very unpleasant things to say about me that I am prepared, reluctantly, to neglect the call of duty and listen to you with my own ears. She's been exercising miracles of restraint for the last three months, John. I think she has a right to let herself go now. If she's suffering from suppressed desires, she's come to the wrong establishment. She wants a psychoanalyst. I've only got one thing to say, John, and I'm perfectly willing that you should hear it. I don't know what your reasons were for shielding that abominable woman. I can only suppose you wanted to avoid more scandal than was necessary. Before you go any further, my dear, you must let me put my word in. My dear child, I beg you not to decide anything in a hurry. We must all think things over. First of all, you must listen to what John has to say for himself. What can he have to say for himself? What indeed? Not the right thing, anyway. Look, I'm for it, and I'm prepared to take what's coming to me. No man could say handsomer than that. I'm expecting you to make a scene, Constance. It's your right and your privilege. I'm willing to bear it. Give me hell. I deserve it. My name is Mud. My poor John. What is there to make a scene about? Well, I know how badly I've treated you. I had a wife who was good, loving, and faithful, devoted to my interests, a, a perfect mother and an excellent housekeeper, a woman ten times too good for me. If I'd had the smallest spark of decency, I couldn't have treated you like this. I haven't a word to say for myself. You've humiliated her to all her friends. Yes, I've behaved neither like a gentleman nor a sportsman. Your conduct was inexcusable. Yes, I haven't a leg to stand on. Even if you didn't love her, you might have treated her with respect. Yes, I've been as heartless as a crocodile and as unscrupulous as a typhoid bacillus. Between you, of course, you're leaving me very little to say. There is nothing to say. You're quite right. This is the sort of occasion when it's beneath a woman's dignity to make a scene. I suppose you'll have the decency to put no obstacle in the way of Constance's getting her freedom. Oh, Constance, you're not going to divorce him. Mother, you're so weak. How can she go on living with a man for whom she has no respect? John has always been an excellent father. Let us give the devil his due. Don't be too hard, darling. I can understand that at the moment you feel bitter... But it would be very sad if you let your bitterness warp your judgment. I don't feel in the least bitter. I wish I looked as sweet as I feel. Of course, John is to blame. I admit that. He's been very, very naughty. But men are weak and, well, women are so unscrupulous. <laughs> I'm sure 
He's sorry for all the pain he's caused you. What puzzles me is that you didn't do something the moment you discovered that John was having an affair. To tell you the truth, I thought it no business of mine. Aren't you his wife? John and I are very lucky people. Our marriage has been ideal. How can you say that? For five years we adored each other. That's much longer than most people do. Our honeymoon lasted five years, and then we had a most extraordinary stroke of luck. We ceased to be in love with one another simultaneously. I, I protest, Constance. I've never ceased to be absolutely devoted to you. I never said you had, darling. I'm convinced of it. I've never ceased to be devoted to you. We've shared one another's interests. We've loved to be together. We've laughed at the same jokes and sighed over the same worries. I don't know any couple that's been bound together by a more genuine affection. But honestly, for the last ten years, have you been in love with me? Well, well you, you can't expect a man who's, who's been married for fifteen years My to... dear, I'm not asking for excuses. I'm only asking for a plain answer. In the long run, I enjoy your society much more than anybody else's. There's no one I like so much as you. You're the prettiest woman I've ever known, and I shall say the same when you're a hundred. <laughs> but does your heart leap into your mouth when you hear my footstep on the stairs? And when I come into the room, is your first impulse to catch me in your manly arms? I haven't noticed it. But I don't want to make a fool of myself. Then I think you've answered my question. You're no more in love with me than I am with you. you know, you've never said a word of this before. I think most married couples tell each other too much. How did you find out? I'll tell you. One night, as we were dancing together, all at once I noticed that we weren't keeping such good step as we generally did. It was because my mind was wandering. I was thinking how it would suit me to do my hair like a woman who was dancing alongside us. Then I looked at you and I saw you were thinking what pretty legs she's got. I suddenly realized that you weren't in love with me anymore, and at the same moment I realized that... It was a relief, because I wasn't in love with you. I must say, it never occurred to me for a moment. I know. A man thinks it quite natural that he should fall out of love with a woman, but it never strikes him for a moment that a woman can do anything so unnatural as to fall out of love with him. Don't be upset at that, darling. That is one of the charming limitations of your sex. Do you mean mother and me to understand that since then John has been having one affair after another and you haven't turned a hair? Since this is the first time he's been found out, let us give him the benefit of the doubt. You're not angry with me, John? No, darling, not angry. But I am a little taken aback. I think you've been making rather a damned fool of me. It never struck me that your feelings for me had changed so much. You can't expect me to like it. Oh, come now. You must be reasonable. You surely wouldn't wish me to have languished all these years in a hopeless passion for you when you had nothing to give to me in return but friendship and affection. Think what a bore it is to have someone in love with you whom you're not in love with. 
I can't conceive of your ever being a bore, Constance. Don't you realize that we must thank our lucky stars? We are the favored of the gods. I shall never forget those five years of exquisite happiness you gave me when I loved you, and I shall never cease to be grateful for them. Not because you loved me, but because you inspired me with love. Our love was like a crossword puzzle in which we both hit upon the last word at the same moment. That is why our lives had been so happy. That is why ours is a perfect marriage. Do you mean to say that it meant nothing to you when you found out that John was carrying on with Marie Louise? Human nature is very imperfect. I am afraid I must admit that at the first moment I was vexed but only at the first moment. Then I reflected that it was unreasonable to be angry with John for giving to another something I had no use for. That would be too much like a dog in the manger. And then I was fond enough of John to be willing that he should be happy in his own way. And if he is going to indulge in an intrigue, isn't that the proper phrase, John? I have not yet made up my mind whether it really is an indulgence. Then it was much better that the object of his affection should be so intimate a friend of mine that I could keep a maternal eye on him. Really, Constance? Marie-Louise is not clever enough to acquire any ascendancy over him, and so long as I kept his heart, I was quite willing that she should have his senses. If you wanted to deceive me, John, I couldn't have chosen anyone with whom I would more willingly be deceived than Marie-Louise. I don't gather that you have been very grossly deceived, darling. You have such penetration that when you look at me, I feel as though I were shivering without a stitch of clothing on. I don't approve of your attitude, Constance. Why, in my day, when a young wife discovered her husband had been deceiving her, she, she burst into a flood of tears and went to stay with her mother for three weeks. Not returning to her husband, till he had been brought to a proper state of abjection and repentance. Are we to understand, then, that you are not going to divorce John? You know, I can never see why a woman should give up a comfortable home, a considerable part of her income, and the advantage of having a man about because he has been unfaithful to her. She's merely cutting off her nose in spite of her face. I am at a loss for words. You've been very stupid, my poor John. Yes, I've been a fool, Constance. I know it, but I'm capable of learning by experience, so I can't be a damned fool. You mean that in the future you'll be more careful to cover your tracks? Oh, no, Constance. He means that this has been a lesson to him, and that in the future you will have no cause for complaint. Constance... I give you my word of honor. That is the only gift you can make for which I can find no use. You see, so long as I was able to pretend a blissful ignorance of your goings-on, we could all be perfectly happy. You were enjoying yourself, and I received a lot of sympathy as the outraged wife. But now I do see that the position is very difficult. You have put me in a position that is neither elegant nor dignified. I'm awfully sorry, Constance. You're going to leave him? No, I'm not going to leave him. John, 
You remember that Barbara offered to take me into her business. I refused. Well, I've changed my mind, and I'm going to accept. Yes, but why? I, I don't see your point. I'm not prepared anymore to be entirely dependent upon you. But my dear, everything I earn is at your disposal. It's a pleasure for me to provide for your wants. Heaven knows they are not very great. I know. Come, John. I've been reasonable, haven't I? Don't try and thwart me when I want to do something on which I have set my heart. I don't understand, but if you put it like that, I haven't a word to say. Of course, you must do exactly as you wish. That's a dear. Oughtn't you to go back to your patients, or else I shall have to keep you as well as myself? Will you give me a kiss before I go? Why not? It's peace between us? Peace and goodwill. He is rather sweet, isn't he? Not in my opinion. What have you got on your mind, Constance? I, Mother? What do you suspect? I don't like the look of you. I'm sorry for that. Most people find me far from plain. Oh, you've some devilry in mind. But for the life of me, I can't guess it. I can't see what you expect to get out of working for Barbara. Between a thousand and fifteen hundred a year, I believe. I wasn't thinking of the money, and you know it. I am tired of being a modern wife. What do you mean by the modern wife? A prostitute who doesn't deliver the goods. My dear! What would your father say if he heard you say such things? Darling, need we conjecture the remarks of a gentleman who's been dead for five and twenty years? Had he any gift for repartee? Uh, none. Whatever. He was good, but he was stupid. That is why the gods loved him and he died young. May I come in? you are. I wondered what had become of you. Well, mother, I won't detain you any longer. I know that you and Martha have a thousand things to do. Oh, I'm glad you reminded me. Come, Martha. Goodbye, darling. Goodbye, Mr. Kersel. Goodbye. Goodbye, dear. Thank you for all your sympathy. You've been a great help in my hour of need. I don't understand, and it's no good saying I do. Bless you. Shall we be very late? So late that it doesn't matter if we're a little later. I have something important to say to you. Important to me, or important to you? I can't tell you how distressed I was at that terrible scene. Oh, didn't you think it had its lighter moments? It's only this afternoon I learned the truth. And then I never imagined for a moment that you knew it, too. I can't tell you how brave I think it of You're you. You're very sweet, Bernard. What I think of what you've gone through. It's not a very good plan to take other people's misfortunes too much to heart. You know that if things were as I thought they were between you and John, nothing would have induced me to say a word. But now he has no longer any claims on you. He doesn't love you. Why should you go on wasting your life with a man who is capable of exposing you to all this humiliation? You know how long and tenderly I have loved you. You can trust yourself to me. 
I'll give my whole life to making you forget the anguish you've endured. Will you marry me, Constance? Uh, my dear, John may have behaved very badly, but he's still my husband. Only in name. You've done everything in your power to save a scandal, and now if you ask him to let himself be divorced, he's bound to consent. Do you really think John has behaved so very badly to me? You don't mean to say that you have any doubts in your mind as to his relationship with Marie Louise? None. Then what in God's name do you mean? <laughs> My dear Bernard, have you ever considered what marriage is among well-to-do people? The house is managed by servants. Nurses look after her children, if she's resigned herself to having any. And as soon as they're old enough, she packs them off to school. Let us face it. She is no more than the mistress of the man whose desire she has taken advantage of to insist on a legal ceremony that will prevent him from discarding her when his desire has ceased. I don't agree with you. She's also his companion and helpmate. You see, my poor friend, you are in love and your judgment is confused. I don't understand what you mean. John gives me board and lodgings, money for my clothes and my amusements, a car and a certain position in the world. He's bound to do all that because 15 years ago he was madly in love with me and he undertook it. Don't you think it would be very shabby of me to take advantage now of his generosity or his want of foresight? In what way? He paid a very high price for something that he couldn't get cheaper. He no longer wants that. Why should I resent it? I know as well as anybody else that desire is fleeting. It comes and goes, and no man can understand why. The only thing that's certain is that when it's gone, it's gone forever. That might be all right if a man had only to think about himself. What about the woman? I don't think you need waste too much sympathy on her. When the average woman has been married for 15 years and discovers her husband's infidelity, it is not her heart that is wounded, but her vanity. If she had any sense, she would regard it merely as one of the necessary inconveniences of an otherwise pleasant profession. The long and short of it is that you don't love me. You think that my principles are all moonshine? I don't think they would have much influence if you were as crazy about me as I am about you. Do you still love John? I am very fond of him. He makes me laugh, and we get on together like a house on fire. But I'm not in love with him. And is that enough for you? Isn't the future sometimes a trifle desolate? Don't you want love? If I did, I should come to you for it, Bernard. Oh, Constance. Oh, my dear, don't be so sudden. But if you love me... I never said I did. But even if I did, so long as John provides me with all the necessities of existence, I wouldn't be unfaithful. It all comes down to the economic situation. Do you mean to say there's no hope at all? The only hope before you at the moment is to start for Wimbledon before the game is over. 
Do you still want to go? Yes. Very well. But I love you. Then go down and start the car, and I'll join you in a minute. I want to phone. Very well. Barbara? It's Constance. That offer you made me a fortnight ago, is it still open? Well, I want to accept it. No, no, nothing has happened. John is very well. He's always sweet, you know. It's only that I want to earn my own living. When can I start? Oh, the sooner the better. <laughs> <laughs>